The views and opinions expressed during I and the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to I and the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. WKNC 88.1. I'm Aaron Kling, and you're listening to Eye on the Triangle. Tonight, we're interviewing Arav and Arsh Parekh, two young brothers and the co-hosts of Two Brothers in Their Sports. Hey guys, how you doing? We're good, how are you? I'm doing very well, it's great to hear from you. Nice to hear from you too, thank you for inviting us. I've heard you have put together a podcast over the pandemic. You want to talk about that? So we started the podcast over the pandemic. Arsh and I, we spend the whole day talking about sports. We talk about sports into the wee hours of the night. And sometimes our parents get a little mad at us about that. But nothing can take you from your love of sports. So we created this podcast. We wanted to try to create an impact on our community as much as possible. We wanted to create a source of entertainment for some people during this pandemic. So they're entertained. We just love this podcast. We wanted to get these inspirational stories out to everyone that loves sports. Yeah, we just wanted to give another perspective on sports, but from our perspective of kids. And we really wanted to give kids something that would inspire them to do what they want to do in life and whatever they really were passionate about doing. And for us, that's sports. And what is the perspective of kids? Like we haven't been into sports for forever, just talking about sports and discussing about it. So we have really the, if you you could say modern type of perspective. Yeah. And just like from, as you were saying, from a kid's perspective, it's Kind of like a lot of the talk shows that you see on ESPN, actually almost all of the talk shows you see on ESPN, Fox Sports, NBC Sports, are all adults and they're all just recording with either a partner. So both Arsh and I have a huge passion for sports. So we wanted, as a kid's perspective, we I'm going through high school, Arsh is in middle school, so we see the up-and-coming players, the next generation of players that are coming out and going to support the next professional leagues. So if we can get them on the podcast, if we can interview them, get their take growing up instead of when they're already grown up, then we think it's a lot better for us. And it's just a new perspective for everyone. I agree. Yeah, you're 12 and 13, right? Yes. Exactly. That is so wild. That is such a young age to put a project together like this. I mean, you have all the time in the world with being cooped up indoors, like the rest of us, I guess. But still, to get over that hump, you know, the, the concern about starting a new thing. It must have been a little scary or did you just go right into it? I guess maybe a little, but we knew that we liked sports so much, no matter what happened, that we were just happy to have something to do. And we knew this was one of our most passionate things. So when we talk about sports or when we argue, it is a little scary knowing that it's going out to such a vast audience. But in other times, we just imagine it's just me and him talking at night and we're just arguing about different topics that we have different takes on. Yeah, and a lot of the time at night, we'll be debating sports topics not on air. And then 
we'll get some ideas about what we want to talk about for the next episode, what we want, what we think will entertain our listeners for the next episode. So it was a little challenging and a little scary getting this started, but Arsh and I both listen to a lot of sports topics, a lot of sports shows. So obviously it is that hard, but we thought, oh, it couldn't be that hard. You just talk about sports with your brother, which is what we do every day. Yeah, and none of the things we do is scripted. He has his notes, I have my notes, and we just go. And there's really nothing that we do is scripted. So yes, there's a chance that something, maybe we stumble or maybe we don't get the facts right, but we just try to act like it's just me and him, and we're just arguing and talking like we always do. What kind of tech did you use? How'd you learn how to use the programs you put your podcast together with? We did a little bit of research before we started. We use Wondershare 9, I think it's called. It is a video and audio editing site. So, or app, you could call it, there's both. So we use the app on our computer and we were researching a bunch of websites. First, we started with Adobe, but then we couldn't figure out how to get the audio on it. So then we found Wondershare and it's just been working great. You can import almost any audio, any video you want. And you can edit it to the exact precise millisecond that you want. And that's the kind of editing that we want. And we want it to be precise for our listeners. Yeah, we just use Wondershare Filmora 9, as he said. And to record, we just use regular recording. There's a feature called screen recording where we just record what we're saying. And then we just put it into Filmora, edit it, and that's it. Who have you interviewed so far? We think our highlight is... We have a bunch of good players, but we try to get a bunch of the most professional athletes that we can. So we've had a U.S. Women's National Team World Cup winner. She also plays on NC Courage, Jessica McDonald, Mason Plumley, the Denver Nuggets power forward. And who else are she? Yeah, so we've had MLB players, NBA players, soccer players. We just try to spread it because a lot of there are some sports kids shows but they usually focus on one. And we like debating about all sports. We just do all sports. So we're trying to get a variety. We got men's soccer, then we got women's soccer, and we just try to get a variety of everything. We've got field hockey, golf, regular hockey, basketball. Yeah. So we just try to get a variety of sports to have our audience really listen to these inspiring stories of these inspirational athletes. Inspiring stories, right? You got any examples for us? An example I would say is Jessica McDonald. She was always smaller than everyone else growing up. She, the one thing she told us, we always ask our interviewees at the end, what is one piece of advice you would give to young kids your age who play the sport you do or just play a sport in general? And for Jessica McDonald, she said, it doesn't matter if you're smaller than everyone else or you're not as gifted as anyone else. The thing is, you have to be mentally tough and mentally stronger than everyone else. And if you work hard and play hard, you'll be able to get to the level you can. So Jessica McDonald was always small growing up, but her love of soccer came from her brother. And over time, her passion just developed and she ended up blossoming into one of the best U.S. women's national team players there are. So I would say probably Mitch Spence. He was minor league Yankees pitcher. He still is. He just got drafted in 2019. He really got to explain and his childhood was still fresh in his mind. He was growing up the dedication and how much hard work he used to make himself good in baseball and eventually make it to a good college with a scholarship. 
and then get drafted and how COVID has impacted the minor leagues. So I really liked him. His story was really inspiring of how he grew up and became one of the best Yankees talents in the minor leagues. He's top 30 for Yankees talents in the minor leagues. So I would use him as my inspiring example. You've actually reminded me of something by saying all that. I don't need to tell you two that we're living in a pretty historic time. A lot of people are going to be looking back on this. How has COVID-19 affected sports? Well, in many ways. So, for example, you probably know about the NBA bubble, the bubble that they successfully carried out. They only had one confirmed COVID case before they came into the bubble and zero while they were playing. So that was a really successful way of keeping sports alive. And now you see it'll be... Um, just ended and there, there were many confirmed cases but they got the series done in 60 games and then even the nfl they're playing with no fans but no no teams have full capacity so there are many examples and many teams are adapting and leagues are adapting to this but this year and maybe even next year sports will not return back to normal but i think these leagues and these commissioners for example adam silver will get creative with what they're doing and they'll find a way to get the sports keep going i think that Sports are just trying to be brought back for everyone who likes them, for everyone who needs them to encourage them to keep going. And that gives them joy and happiness. And I think, yes, COVID has impacted and it's been hard, but these amazing people are finding a way to be able to keep these sports going. Like you said, the NBA bubble or the MLB or the NFL right now. So all of these are successfully, or at least, pretty successfully trying to get sports back and the fans, they're trying to give the sport that fans love back. And COVID has impacted it a lot, but they are coming up with new rules and new things every day to help athletes be able to play the sport they love and to help fans watch what they love. Yeah, and in a sense, COVID has really brought out how valuable sports is to many people. It's a huge entertainment source for many people. Many people rely on sports to get an outlet every day. For example, Thursday night football, or maybe even Monday night baseball or anything like that. Many people rely on that kind of outlet just to relax, have a good evening and just watch some baseball or watch some football or any sport. That's good for the fans. It's good that the leagues are still managing to keep their fans entertained. But do you know how players are being kept safe from the disease? In the NFL, as we've seen, there's been a lot of COVID cases. But the treatment, it's top-notch. It's one of the best in the world because these players are so important and they're making millions of dollars. And these sports are billion-dollar businesses. They're getting tested every day. And for the NBA bubble, there was a bubble to keep them safe. And I think all the faculty and all the Disney workers, they all wore masks. They're trying as hard as they can to keep players safe from the disease, but they're trying to minimize how many players get it. And in the NBA... They had zero cases. Yeah, they had zero confirmed cases. For example, someone else we've interviewed, Alex Katz. He's a major league pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. He had to create a gym in his backyard that he was pitching in during COVID and to keep his arm healthy so he didn't completely lose everything over the break. I actually saw a video of that way back, I think in the spring when all of this was really getting rolling. And he kind of missed the net at one point and punched a hole right through a window. Yes, that's correct. That was pretty funny. That guy's got a heck of an arm. Heck of an arm.
We were really excited to have him on. And not only his arm, he excels at major league pitching, but also he has a side business called Stadium Custom Kicks. And Arsh can tell you more about that. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur. Now his new business is to make custom cleats for people who want them or people who'd like that. So you just tell him what you want and he makes a designer, customizes it along with his major league baseball career, which we think is really cool. One thing I have to ask as I'm listening to you too, seeing you really share the load on airtime, you have this really great way of splitting with each other. Do you do you have like a queue or something you do? Or do you guys just have like kind of an internal clock that's going? Or how do you manage that? It's really impressive. You could say it's an internal clock. It's sort of the thing like twin telepathy, except we're not twins, we're brothers. So sometimes we like to call it brother telepathy, but sometimes we can tell that the other person's finishing up. We can tell that they're about to exhaust their point. We can come in. I have a new perspective than Arsh, and I know Arsh has a new perspective than me on some sports topic. We have a general idea of how much to share the time. Sometimes I point to myself if I want to add something midway through or something like that. But I think it's just an instinct, a sort of like, it's a sense of time that we have that it's kind of hard to explain. But if you have it, you can tell that you have it. Just like right now, the tone of his voice and the way he was talking, I could tell he was about to end. And I mean, not to sound like scientific or anything, I'm just telling the tone of his voice and basically <laughs> like just seeing when he's going to end. And I know that his point is coming to an end. I guess you could say brother telepathy, but I'm just trying to not cut him off, but still respectfully either agree or disagree with his idea. I'm guessing you just kind of practice that by the process of being brothers. It's not really a special skill that you learn for the actual purpose of the podcast. No, it's not. Usually when we're debating, though, we try to get on top of the other people's points so that they can't hear so that they can't hear themselves over what we're saying, so that we win the argument. But over podcasting, yeah, it's a little more formal. So we try to keep it even. And like I said, we don't want to cut each other off. We still want to be able to debate about sports. And when it comes to arguments, we have interrupted each other because they might go on for like two minutes and it just might never be touched again. So we may want to get to points, but this isn't a special skill we just developed for podcasting. I just think when you debate this much and talk this much, this is a skill that you kind of just learn. Experience. And of course, considering your young age, you're going to be getting a lot more experience as you keep rolling with this project. Yeah, we hope to. We hope to. Besides that, I was going to ask you what your favorite sport is. I think that's probably not the right question to ask. Seeing that you have such a broad interest in so many sports, I'm going to ask you kind of a larger question. What is sports? What is sports to you and what is sports to people? Of your listeners and also the many fans that consume sports every single year. I would say that sports are an outlet for many people. They're a way of spending your evening, like before COVID, going to the ballpark with your son, not to be stereotypical, but even your family, your whole family, going to the ballpark, have some fun, eating some hot dogs, eating some popcorn while you're watching the game. It's just like watching a movie. Some people just like having an outlet that way. Some people like spending their time that way. So if I had to define sports, I would just say it's an entertainment source and it's an outlet. And there are many things around that. Like, for example, fantasy football as one, talk shows as one. There's a bunch of things centered around sports. That sports is such a big factor in society today that if you were to take it away, a lot of businesses and a lot of things that are centered around that wouldn't be able to function.
So for me, sports are a couple of things at once. They're inspirational for some people. There's a lot of people that, let's just take the NFL, for example. Like 20 years ago, the people who are in the NFL now were watching that game and those games being played and being inspired to do it when they grew up. So I think it's inspiring. It's also, like you said, a source of entertainment. It's motivating. And it really captures attention for fans who are really passionate about their team or just the sport in general. And I think it's also really fun to watch. There's just something about a ball being tossed around or hit by tennis rackets or being caught in a glove. But there's just something about that that's kind of like magical. I want to drill into that, if if you'll allow me at least. Yes, yes, for sure. What gets you jazzed about sports? What gets you excited? Supporting your team is definitely something that gets you excited. Also, a lot of major sporting events, the Super Bowl, the World Series, one of those things, fantasy football, even if you're on a crunch time, if you're losing like 198 and you have one player left with two minutes left in the game, something like that is very exciting and very, it's adrenaline through your brain and through your body. So that's something that's very motivational to me and something that just gets me pulled in into sports and that I spend my whole Sunday afternoon just watching football. Yeah, if we don't have work. <laughs> but I love sports. It's just it's just a way to get away from things sometimes. It's fun. It's really why I think it's fun. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just amazing being able to watch teams and players compete so hard to be able to get a trophy or to be able to have the World Series or Super Bowl title. So I just love watching these amazing people compete for one of them to be the champion and just for it to keep going with drafts. And like you said, there's other things centered like talk shows and fantasy football. Sometimes it's too much for some people. Just the games alone, those are amazing because you get to watch amazing people in crunch time doing what they're amazing at and that's their occupation it's what they do they've done for their whole life so i guess that's my reason for liking sports and and like art said before like they're getting paid to do something that they love to do and compete for a ring that has diamonds and emeralds and stuff in it the main part of it but lifting a Super Bowl trophy with your team, the characteristics of teamwork and motivation and everything combined to try and get a whole group. It's not just a solo thing. Your whole group together and try to raise you up together to win a championship. There's the idea of financial security, but it's for most, if not all the athletes we've talked to, it's not about that. It's about bonding with your brothers and your teammates that you worked with to this one common goal. It's just really inspiring to hear those people and it's what they do. It's why they put their bodies through all this to be able to get to that. Talk about the future. What's the future for sports? I think the future for sports, I hope that COVID slows down and a vaccine comes out. But if a vaccine does come out, Athletes are going to be one of the first people to get it after frontline workers and teachers and doctors. I think athletes will be one of the ones to get it. It might not be fair, but that's the truth because it's a billion dollar business and these players are getting so much money to do this. And it's really a lot of players are opting out of the season. But I think if that does happen, 
that sports will come close to coming back to normal, but not fully. And I hope it does. But there really isn't. Yes, there's not fans or there's very little fans. But other than that, there's not too big of a difference in sports. And I just hope that it gets back to normal, that drafts can happen physically instead of virtually, and that fans can come back, and that we'll be able to um, maybe, we'll be able to watch a game without any asterisks on it. If some team wins a championship, there may be an asterisk because there was a six-month break, and then sports started back up. And I hope that that doesn't happen anymore and that this pandemic is it starts getting under control and we're able to get the old sports we used to have that we used to take for granted which i'll never do again i think the future for sports for me would definitely be if you take it literally it's the next generation of players that are drafted taking over the league so like the next lebron james there may never be the next lebron james but someone that's the force and driving force of each league for example wayne gretzky yeah he's retired now but yeah like wayne gretzky babe ruth those type of players driving the league and if you don't take it literally it's just in the future there'll be more and more fans of sports more and more people involved in things like fantasy football engaged in tuning into podcasts and tuning in your morning to fox sports to watch first things first or anything like that i think sports is just only going to get bigger and hopefully nothing like this pandemic ever happens again so, like I said, sports, I'm never going to take it for granted again. It was such a good outlet, and you get the full experience without COVID or without any pandemic. So, you just hope nothing like this ever happens again. What's your future? I think we're just going to keep doing this podcast. We're going to keep putting our foot on the gas in school. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing and trying to get better and always trying to learn and trying to help other people. So I hope we keep doing this podcast. I think we will be. There shouldn't be a reason we don't. But eventually, maybe this could be our career. Maybe we'll go into something else. But I just hope that we keep doing this podcast and people find us inspirational and this brightens our day. Definitely agree with keep doing the podcast. A goal we have at together is to grow this podcast enough that it's a reliable source for people. So for example, we do each week two brothers, two picks for fantasy football. We hope someday people can rely on that, on those picks, and people can set their lineup based on what we choose, anything like that. And like I said, we love this podcast. We want to keep it going. And eventually, we hope someday we become like the Skip and Shannon or like the Spain and Fitz or anything like that, where you get the big athletes like Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Aaron Judge, any of those players to come on. You have a talk with them for part of your business, but it's like talking to someone face-to-face or just talking to someone on the phone. And you get to do it as part of your business and you get to do it for free. And I feel that that goal has already been fulfilled with us having big athletes. We've had already such inspirational and amazing athletes already. And it may get better than this. It may not get any better than this. But I just, like you said, we hope to grow this podcast and to really give people something to listen to when they're making food in the morning or when they're driving to work, something that they can rely on and that will cheer them up. Earlier in this podcast, earlier in our interview, you mentioned uh, that you met with a sports star. That sports star said that, should always tell others 
how you would get to the point the sports star was at. Your turn. Somebody out there wants to make a podcast. Somebody who's 12 or 13 or 14 or 16 or 9 or 10. How are they going to go? So earlier in this podcast, you said something I really liked. You always would ask the guests that you bring on air, what would you say to somebody who is just starting out, who is trying to figure out how to accomplish the things that they've already accomplished over the course of their career? Now that you're six months deep into this podcasting business, what kind of recommendations would you give to new people? I would just say have a drive. And if you see an open door, like if you see an opportunity, for example, this pandemic, for us, it was this pandemic. We saw there was an opportunity. We had so much time at home, more than we usually do. You just take that opportunity, run through that door, see what's on the other side. So if you want to start a podcast, for example, or if you want to start a sports podcast, just go into it like you want to do it every day of your life. Like you want to do it your career when you grow up. That might not have to be your goal, but it could be something that you want to think of and think of when you're starting this. Never give up is what I would say. So many points we saw that this might not have worked out, but if you just keep pushing, you will reach where you want to. And if you want to start a sports podcast, if you're not getting the downloads you want in, in the beginning, or you're not getting any responses from any of the athletes you reach out to, that's okay. Just keep going. You will get recognition at some point, and you're always on an upward trend. And I don't think, as someone has a drive, they'll be able to do it. Maybe people's parents have already said this, but I hope coming from kids, it really strikes them. And my advice would probably be, there's no shortcuts to success. It's just hard work. You just have to work hard over and over, and you're not going to get rewarded right from the instant, right when you first start it. It's not going to happen like that. But if you keep having hard work and you keep trying, eventually things will work out and things will pay off. So just always work hard. Like you said, there's no shortcuts to your success and just keep working. Rough. Anybody is looking for your podcast, where can they find you? They can find it anywhere they consume podcasts or anywhere they listen to their favorite podcast. For example, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere like that. If you just search it up on the web, we have a website, twobrothersandtheirsports.com. All the links to the guest episodes we've had, all the links to where you can find the podcast are all on that website. Listeners, these two individuals have a ton of passion, really going for it. They can get this going. Maybe you can too. Thank you guys so much for coming and I on the Triangle. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we really enjoyed talking to you. Appreciate talking to you too. Thank you. WKNC 88.1. I'm Aaron Kling with Eye on the Triangle. Thanks, everybody. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, November the 20th, 2020. I'm Mike Clifford. A partial recount of Wisconsin votes in the presidential race begins today. It comes amid repeated election fraud claims from President Trump, despite those claims going unfounded. President Trump requested a ballot recount in Milwaukee and Dane counties, both of which are considered more liberal. Milwaukee County also is home to the state's largest number of black residents at nearly 27 percent. Greg Lewis of the group Souls to the Poll says after all the outreach work that was done in the middle of a pandemic, it's difficult to see a recount with such a narrow focus. It's very disrespectful for someone to come along and really cast a shadow and, and cast doubt 
over where everything that, that is done in this community has been legitimate. He says black Wisconsinites also had to overcome the state's restrictive voting laws. Milwaukee's Democratic mayor echoed the sentiments, calling the recount effort an attack on minorities. The Trump campaign paid a $3 million fee for the recount, while asserting that a number of absentee ballots in these counties were illegally altered and issued. I'm Mike Moen. The recounts must be completed by December 1st. President-elect Joe Biden won in Wisconsin by more than 20,000 votes. As policymakers gear up to write a state budget for the next two years, a new report has suggestions on how to expand health care coverage to more families in the state of Connecticut. Tiffany Donaldson is the CEO of the Connecticut Health Foundation. The group is 13% of the Connecticut population, but yet they represent 26% of those who are uninsured in our state. The group of people who are uninsured includes about 48,000 folks who make between $17,600 and $25,000 a year. With COVID cases rising again in New York, nurses in one of the early hotspots say conditions at their hospitals are unsafe and they're threatening a two-day strike on December the 1st. Nurses at Montefiore Hospital in New Rochelle have been negotiating for a contract for more than two years. At a rally outside the hospital on Thursday, nurses said they want wages that are up to regional standards and to hire more nurses to ensure adequate staffing levels, including in intensive care. Michelle Gonzalez, a nurse on the negotiating team, says it takes four months to train an ICU nurse, but hospital management only wants to train helpers. We are not asking for helpers. We have very clearly demanded that we need staff that is ICU trained and ICU prepared. I'm Andrea Sears reporting. This is PNS. Tomorrow is National Adoption Day, which celebrates forever families and highlights those kids still waiting to find homes. Throughout the month of November, Illinoisans are being encouraged to share their connections to adoption by displaying coloring sheets in their windows created with their kids and sharing pictures on social media. Allison Ketzenberg works in the Illinois Department of Child and Family Services Quincy Field Office. She says COVID-19 has definitely affected the ability to connect foster children with forever families. Some adoptions have been delayed because of COVID. Courthouses have been closed. Attorneys and people involved have been quarantined or positive for COVID. Foster families are a little more reserved. They don't want to expose their family. Tomorrow is National Adoption Day, when many courthouses around the state typically hold ceremonies celebrating the finalization of adoptions. Some of those events have been moved online. Mary Sherman reporting. The Gila and San Francisco rivers in southwest New Mexico have been central to the state's history and their designation as wild and scenic. The research shows water-related outdoor recreation in the area supports thousands of jobs, which provide $92 million of income. Grant County Commissioner Alicia Edwards has seen firsthand what the rivers provide. It stimulates activity that is responsible for 4,000 or more jobs in this area, and that is huge. And they're jobs that are probably primarily small businesses. The M.H. Dutch Salmon Greater Gila Wild and Scenic River Act is currently before the U.S. Senate. I'm Roz Brown. And finally, Diane Bernard tells us West Virginia is on track to meet requirements handed down 
by the Department of Justice last year to move more foster kids with mental health issues out of institutions in favor of community-based health care. Cami Chapman with the state's Department of Health and Human Resources notes her agency is working with groups as part of the DOJ agreement to have no more than 712 foster children with serious emotional disorders in residential treatment facilities by the end of 2024. Chapman expects the state to reach that goal. As of October 31st, 2020, our number for kids that are in a residential mental health treatment facility that are foster care children placed in DHHR custody was 822. So we are on target. She points out the number of referrals of foster children has dropped during the COVID-19 crisis while schools are closed and acknowledges the number of children in institutions might rise when schools open again. I'm Diane Bernard. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported on interesting radio stations across the nation and viewed now on Free Speech TV.